This episode is brought to you by the Who Killed Icky Treasure Hunt, Morty, and Patreon supporters like you. Welcome to a special release of the Reality Escape Pod. We are putting out one of our Patreon-exclusive bonus after shows on the main feed. In Season 6, Episode 3, we interviewed Christine Barger, a.k.a. The Haunt Girl. She is the co-owner of Exit Game OC and creator of their wonderful game, 13th Basement. Christine has also amassed a huge following on social media with several videos going viral on TikTok with millions of views. In this episode, she gives us a crash course on social media and how to find a niche that speaks to your audience, especially if you're running an escape room. Working with influencers or becoming one yourself can be essential for growing your business. This is a can't-miss conversation for anyone looking to improve their social media and marketing. And if you want more content like this, we have a huge library of over 60 bonus episodes available to our patrons starting at the $5 level. Your support really helps keep this content flowing, and it means more than you could ever imagine. Go to patreon.com slash roomescapeartist for more details. And thank you once again to episode sponsor, Who Killed Icky? This treasure hunt has prizes totaling $50,000 and is designed by a member of the Escape Room and Puzzle Hunt community. We'll be back to tell you more about it later in the episode. For now, I hope that you enjoy our chat with Christine Barger. Welcome to the Reality Escape Pod bonus show. Today, PG and I are joined by our guest from the main episode, Christine Barger. Welcome. Welcome to Smooth Jazz with David, PG, and Christine. (laughs) Christine was like, do I get the sexy jazz intro again? (laughs) Yes. I want that to be my voicemail. We should hire David to do the escape room's voicemail. You have reached Exit Game OC. I really just want to be doing voiceover work. That is one of my realizations of the last couple of months. I really, really like doing that. (laughs) You should start with audiobooks. I mean, they're time-consuming, but it's voiceover work. It's a great way to break into the industry. Smart. Audible is literally down the street from us. And you can do it from home. You don't have to go down the street. You could stay home and do it. That is true. When NPH gave the opening address at Recon Live, he did an imitation of David that was spot on. And it was a smooth jazz voice. <laughs> and I was not emotionally prepared for any of it. <laughs> <laughs> He's so amazing. I'm really, really upset that I'm missing his Peter Pan gone wrong. I'm sad that I missed it too. I'm missing it also. We have tickets. So it's funny because I was messaging Christine about this recording and she was like, oh my God, we just watched Peter Pan goes wrong. It's amazing. You have to go. And I was like, I have tickets on Thursday and I'm just missing NPH's performance, which will be like the week. It's like next week. And Uh we're going this week. He took the entire cast from the New York performance to do Doors of Divergence. Ooh, that sounds fun. Yeah, that sounds amazing. (laughs) So, Christine, we've got a bunch of questions. It's rare that we don't get through all of our questions. (laughs) 
<laughs> you need to teach people how to tell longer stories. <laughs> you, you gave us so many amazing stories, and I still have so many questions left over. We didn't get a chance to get into this, but your game, 13th Basement, does not have any live performance, which given your background as an actress feels like maybe a deliberate choice because we know that performance is in your wheelhouse. So what's driving that decision? Why not have live acting or a live actor in your game? It's very deep. It was very thoughtful. It was insurance. It was expensive (laughs) and we didn't want to pay for the insurance. So we didn't do it. There are so many decisions that Lisa and I make where it is about insurance. The amount of times that people are like, can I bring my kid to the tour? No, but they're really good escape room player. You've even met them. You've played. They're wonderful. Everyone loves playing with my kid. Like, I know your kid is amazing. I wish that I could say yes. Bring them when they're 18. Right. It's not me. It is the insurance company. And if we are going to go and allow, then like our rates go up. Mm-hmm. It is incredibly expensive to have actors in your game. Wow. And it didn't seem worth it. I did not realize that. I mean, our game is a character in itself. And our game master is a character in the game because the game is self-aware and the game is an escape room. And our boss is the killer, played by Chad Lindbergh. Anybody who hasn't been yet, he's an incredible actor, amazing friend of mine. We pre-recorded all the videos for the hints that he was going to give as the killer and the intro and the outro. And then we decided it was too expensive to hire an actor to be in there. And there was no real reason for it because you're playing an escape room. So why would the game master come in? I mean, we do have one moment that's kind of like he's overwatching and like taunts a little bit, but it's a pre-recorded video, but it still feels like there's an actor in that sense in the game. We felt like that was enough. I wonder, okay, so now I'm thinking with the whole insurance thing, what counts, like I have a game master. Is it that they're physically in the room? Okay, what if it's a puppet and their hand is in the room, but that's it. Does that count as being a live actor? So like insurance is a weird thing. And a lot of it comes down to like the questions that they're asking you. And how you word it when you respond. (laughs) Right. Like don't lie to your insurance agent. But this is also just in general, like, a rule for talking to lawyers. I don't know if this has come up on the show before, but my mock trial teacher from high school who taught me how to speak the way that I speak, Dr. Lee taught me a lot of stuff. He was an earth science teacher who was also a lawyer. Really interesting guy. But one of the first things I remember him explaining was like, when a lawyer is asking you questions, or a police officer for that matter, that you need to answer the question that you were asked not the question that is implied or that you think was asked. And so the classic example of that is, do you know what time it is? What's the answer to that? Yes. No, not right now. That Those are both perfectly <laughs> acceptable answers. Whereas the, the wrong answer is to look at your watch and say, oh, it is 7.37 p.m. Right. Because he did not ask what time it is. He just asked if you knew the time. Right. So that is... Just an important thing about dealing with a lot of these like very bureaucratic professions 
is to just make sure you're answering the question that you're asked, not the one that you think was asked or was implied. Oh, that, that this this would apply if you're going to be a guest on the podcast as well. <laughs> 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 this is this was not directed at you, Christine. You answered uh-huh. everything exactly as we asked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you were fantastic. I I certainly didn't go off topic at any point. Not me. You really didn't. Like you you branched on topic, but you didn't go off topic. You branched like crazy, but like <laughs> it was very much within the bounds of what we were asking you. And those branches were actually like bullet points in our little notes anyway. I right. was like, "Oh, we didn't even have to ask her about it. She just hit she just hit all the bullet points." <laughs> Underneath all of these questions, I had like all of the things that I wanted to make sure that were covered. Like when we asked you about your game, what were, what were the bullet points that we had there? It was like the photo op. I don't know if we got to that, actually, that you you created a photo op within your game, which is very rare. But you, you covered it in a different way. The accessibility, mm-hmm. how accessible you made your game. That was definitely a bullet point we wanted to cover. All of the references to horror escape rooms, the references to escape rooms in general. Like You covered all of that. We didn't have to go and push you any further on it. There's also that brilliant moment where you said, how do we contact you? And I talked about B-Real, which I'm not on. <laughs> I don't even know what B-Real is. See, I felt like I was doing pretty good for even being on TikTok. <laughs> B-Real is a social network. My understanding is that it is really struggling at the moment, even with a lot of its core users. How does David know and we don't know? <laughs> B-Real, basically once per day, At the same time, all users on the platform get a push notification that says you have X amount of minutes, and it's not a long amount of time, to go and take a selfie or a photo of where you are right then and there. It does not matter how you look. It does not matter where you are. And the notion behind it is that you're not like getting perfect lighting and getting your makeup perfect and positioning yourself perfectly for the optimal selfie. You're just kind of showing what your real life is like. And this became a really big thing during lockdowns. Right. You don't have the opportunity to stage your background like me, like I've hidden all of my mess behind this giant painting and you can't see it. So, Christine, you're pretty good at social media. I know you've got a lot of followers on Instagram and especially on TikTok, where you have at least three videos that really went viral, over a million views, two of them got over 3 million views. So can you give us some advice on managing social media accounts? Do you think it's better to have a separate account for like personal for the different interests you have one that's only escape room stuff, right? You do think it's better to separate everything out? Because I do so much with the haunt girl and the cats. I had to create separate accounts. What happened, the reason I did that wasn't because I wanted to run a bunch of different accounts. I don't want to run, I think I have five TikToks. I don't want that. It's a lot of work. But for me to have my cats on my personal account with my puppets, I had too many people saying, we don't care about your cats. We want to see your puppets in my comments. And then when I would post my puppets, people were like, how's Bagheera? Right. So that was the moment I realized it's time for her to have her own account. And that was back on Musical.ly. And then I was taking so many photos because I just, I got this sort of photography bug. I love taking really cool, unique pictures, but especially of my cats. 
doing weird angles up underneath their chin, looking up their nose or whatever (laughs) while they're like sleeping and stuff. And so I decided to like just throw them on Instagram. They're not big followings. Bagheera's got like 50,000 on TikTok, I think. She's got like 100 followers on Instagram maybe. I don't know. She doesn't have a big following. The Haunt Girl, I started to post content on my personal channel. Actually, I got like 300,000 followers from a video that I posted at a theme park. No, at a different pop-up at a studio. But anyway, it was a Halloween event at a studio. And I got millions of views. People started stealing the video. They got millions of views. I was at a theme park in Florida waiting in line and my phone started blowing up. And I was like, I'm getting 100,000 new followers right now. I was practically crying in line to go into a haunted house because I didn't understand what was happening, but I was so excited. (laughs) And it was because I had a video of a clown on stilts scaring somebody. But then what happened was all of those people who followed me wanted more of that content. They didn't care about the puppets. And the people who were there for the puppets didn't care about the scary stuff or didn't want scary stuff. They don't like scary things. So then it was this conflict where I was pulling my audience so far in two different directions that it was not close enough. I can be an actor and I can be a ventriloquist on the same account. They're close. They're like, they work together well. I mean, this is the struggle because most of my followers are Survivor fans. Yeah. And then I've got all of this escape room content and it's like, do I do a separate account so I don't know if those are different enough to require separate accounts yeah and I think there's a lot of crossover there's a lot of crossover and interest between the show you were on and the hobbies that you have and the work that you do now so you can get away with it because my original content was so kid-friendly to have a puppet giving advice on how to be a nice person And then the next video being a monster scaring someone till they cry didn't work together well. When you put it that way. (laughs) So you kind of have to decide. And then it didn't make sense to not have a business account. So, of course, we had to have a separate business account for the escape room. So you have a lot of experience with creating content for your escape room account. Mm -hmm. What's the type of content that gets the most interest, do you think? Is it behind the scenes? Is it like building it? Is it of people playing the room? What is it that people seem to like watching? Are you saying from a from an owner's perspective? From an owner's perspective, yeah. Like, you know, you probably have different types of content that you've made for your escape room, such as filming you guys making stuff to people playing the room. So what type of content do you think gets the most traction? If I were giving advice to someone, I would say find what works for you. Don't expect what works for me and my company to work for you, even if you think you're a similar company. Mm -hmm. That's fair. However, for us, videos of our guests getting scared works really well. Right. That's fun to watch for anybody. (laughs) Videos of our guests being funny works really well. They have to be genuine. We don't stage anything. So for us... We're authentic. It's really important to me because it's part of my personality. And I don't really like making content that isn't authentic. So are these taken from like your in-room cameras? Yeah, we pull our footage. Um, I don't know what all you have seen of our TikTok, but for our business TikTok, some of our most popular videos are one is Ella and her friends, who are teen teenagers, 
came for her birthday. They're doing a thing in a hallway in our game. There's a noise. They get scared. They all run down the hallway. Ella trips, falls on her butt, reaches above her head, back toward her friends who keep running. They blow past her, leave her on the floor (laughs) all by herself. She turns over like a turtle, gets up and runs after them. And they all laugh. (laughs) It's very funny. And the way that I framed it for the TikTok was uh, very popular on TikTok to put writing on the screen and then having it talk. Talks for you. You pick a voice. You pick like Trickster or uh, there's a couple different voices. Trickster is really popular, but there's like the voices that are popular. We use two of them. We don't have access to Trickster because we have a business account. Uh, But anyway, so we... (laughs) We narrated it with the voice of TikTok, and it says, that moment in every horror movie when you're screaming at the screen, get up. (laughs) (laughs) And then you see her fall, her friends are running, and you're literally like, get up, get up. You you just want her to get up and run with her friends. (laughs) And so it's authentic in that that's how we felt. That's how they felt. I also asked them permission before I posted that one, because I won't post anything that I think will embarrass anybody. We never want to make our us feel stupid. We never want to make our guests embarrassed. It's really, really important to us. So did you know in the moment that you saw it that you were going to use that as content so you asked them in person before like they left? Yes. They were filming TikToks after the game in uh, one of the rooms and doing dances and stuff. And I recorded them making TikToks. I recorded them recording themselves. Kind of like a behind the scenes Yeah, to share that we allow that in the room. And then I said, hey, Ella, do you all mind if we share that moment where you fell in the hallway? She's like, no, no, share it. So we did. Um, I think it's at like 2 million views. I mean, we have probably a group a week that comes just from that video alone. They saw Ella. They go to her high school. She's famous now at her high school. um, And she loves it. Uh, And then we had, uh, oh my goodness, I just blanked on her name. But we had another young lady come similar thing. She's in the escape room. There's a moment in the room, spoiler alert, where you could possibly maybe think you're going to get wet. And uh, she, for some reason, thought if she knocked on the door, she was going to get wet, (laughs) which is weird because that's not what happened. So if that's what you think to do in the room, you're wrong. But she (laughs) thought that's what was going to happen. So it was her birthday. She had on her very expensive pants. She yells up to Jeremiah, if I knock on the door, will you please not get my $100, whatever the brand name is, pants, wet. And I was listening to that game because they were so much fun to watch. So I was watching along with him while he was game mastering. And he didn't know what she was saying. He couldn't process that thought. So he's like watching. He's like, what is she saying? And I'm like, I think she's afraid you're going to ruin her pants. He's like, why would I ruin her? And we're having this discussion. And she yells it again. And he's like, I don't know what to say. And I'm like, tell her you're not going to ruin her pants. And so he does. <laughs> he says, you won't ruin your pants if you knock on the door or something. Like, it's so awkward. And it's obviously Jeremiah, if anybody who's listening knows my husband, he's adorably awkward. And so he says this in the most adorably awkward way. And she starts laughing. And then she pulls out her phone. She's like, say that again. And she <laughs> makes a TikTok, a video of her saying 
if I ruin, if you if I knock on the door, you're in my pants. And then he says it again. And she's like, she starts <laughs> laughing. She's so excited. So afterwards, I put together a compilation of her saying this over and over and over. And everybody got so into it. They were like, oh my gosh, that's so real. That's the most real thing I've ever seen. Which in TikTok world means that's authentic. Mm-hmm. I, I relate to that's relatable. And so it was really important that we made this relatable video. We showed her in a good light. The brand reached out in the comment section and said, we also feel this. And then everyone <laughs> was able to write the brand and say, don't make your pants so expensive. but it was like a whole thing and so that's the content we like to post also i don't have to get on camera which is nice because i'm on camera enough for my other channels i don't need to be on we do other other content too we do sounds Uh, a really popular video of jeremiah saying if you're boring just say that it was a sound he's lip syncing to it it's one of his first lip syncs it's his first time i think actually making a video for the room he's so terrified he doesn't move He's (laughs) completely still, still, he's in this reverse bear trap mask, won't move. And I'm like, don't, don't move too much because I'm trying to teach him as I'm filming, like how to lip sync. And then I'm like, I'm going to zoom in. When I get to this point, I want you to look at the camera and I want you to say this. So he was so afraid he was going to mess up that he froze. (laughs) He looks like a wax figure. Because you're supposed to look terrified. (laughs) Well, everybody thought he was an actual wax figure. So when he moves (laughs) through the lip sync... They spread it to all their friends. They're like, this guy looks fake, but he's real. <laughs> Watch this. And that's why it went viral. You never know why something will go viral. And it doesn't matter why. They'll still come. That video also gets people to come all the time. That's the one that got the people to come that didn't know what they were signing up for. I saw that you have that pinned. And it was like, if you don't like escape rooms, it's okay. Just say you're boring. You know, it's kind of funny. It's like a joke or something. And then that, of course, one of the coolest looking props you have in your entire escape room, of course, you're showing it off. We're taking a moment to thank our sponsor, Who Killed Icky? Who Killed Icky is a treasure hunt from Galbraith Literary Publishers taking place on January 27th, 2024 with prizes totaling $50,000 plus bragging rights. This hunt is designed by John Brommels, a member of the team running this year's MIT Mystery Hunt. And I'll add that John also contributed to the 2021 Recon ARG. You know, David, the only thing I like better than playing a puzzle hunt is knowing that I can win huge amounts of money by winning this puzzle hunt. They have a grand prize, so the first team to finish the treasure hunt can win $25,000. That's right, $25,000 to the first place team. But don't worry, the next 10 fastest teams can win prizes with a total value of $20,000. And there's even other ways to win money. They're running really fun mini puzzles every week. And if you solve a mini puzzle, you're entered into a drawing to win $50. And if you've solved every single puzzle, you're also entered into a drawing to win $5,000. That's right. You can win a ton of money in this treasure hunt. Now, the entry fee is buying a copy of the book, Who Killed Jerusalem, which will be needed to solve the puzzles. However, you don't really need to read the book to solve anything. And in case you're wondering, Neither the book, which is set in 1977 San Francisco, nor the hunt are related to global events in any way. 
Jerusalem is a reference to Icky Jerusalem of William Blake's work. Purchase your copy of Who Killed Jerusalem and register today for the Who Killed Icky treasure hunt with prizes totaling $50,000. The Who Killed Icky treasure hunt begins at 10 a.m. Pacific on January 27th, 2024 and ends at 4.30 p.m. Pacific that same day. You can learn more at IckyTreasureHunt.com. That's I-C-K-E-Y TreasureHunt.com. Details in the show notes. I mean, one of our other popular videos that has like millions of views is me painting the wall to look dirty. And it's a time apps where there's a pendulum swinging. So you see a picture of me beforehand when the wall is clean and then a video of me afterwards painting the wall dirty. But because there was no context that it was an escape room when people were like swiping through, they thought I was a bad, they just filled in the story, thought I was a bad landlord painting white paint over a dirty bathroom to rent to people. That's amazing. (laughs) And so it got millions of views and people thought I was a bad landlord and it gave us all this engagement. So we had all these reasons to tell people, no, she's not a bad landlord. This is actually a paint job for an escape room. You should come check it out. They're like, that looks cool. I want to come now. And engagement is also important. Like talking back to people when they ask questions is so important. We have so many kids that get to come play our game because they write us on the comments of a video and say, do I have to bring my parents or can I play this with my friends? And we're like, you can play with your friends. Don't break Mm -hmm. anything. Have your parents sign your release. And then they come without their parents and they have a blast. We also have a rule that's really important to me. This is about respect. It doesn't matter who you are. We won't let parents watch kids play the game in the office unless the kids know. Right on. We had a group of teenagers in the room. And this is what prompted this to happen. Uh, Mom wanted to watch. We said it was okay. And the kids were swearing. We're like 13, 14-year-olds. And they were swearing and talking about boys while they were playing the game. And the mom kept saying to us, "That's my daughter doesn't normally act that way. <laughs> she was clearly upset by it and embarrassed by it. And we said, we'll never do this again. We'll never let a parent watch the game unless the kids know. Because mm-hmm. the kids didn't know. And we didn't, we didn't feel that that was right to do that to anybody because, you know, kids, kids have the right to their privacy too. I didn't realize this was a thing. I guess this has never come up. And I obviously, I don't have but children and I don't. This, this is a thing. But another thing is this, this one in some ways, maybe it bothers me as much, maybe more, is when companies use escape rooms for mandatory fun and the boss makes all of the players play and then watches, it's messed up. Yeah. I didn't know this until recently when we were doing our hiring again, but I guess a lot of escape rooms will have potential and future employees play the game together with other future potential employees to see how they interact and work together and how well they do at the escape room. And they watch Mm -hmm. the whole thing. I mean, they know they're being watched, so it's not quite the same, but to me, it's still kind of like, well, it's not really fair. It's like putting people in against each other and seeing how they're going to behave. Yeah. Don't use escape rooms as performance review. (laughs) Just just throw some weapons in and just hire the last one standing. Yeah. <laughs> we do ask everybody to come play if we hire them because we want them to see the experience of the yeah. guest. But it's for a different purpose. We don't care how, how good or how bad they are at the escape room. 
it does help us understand how to communicate with them when we see them communicate with their friends. But we're not going to make that decision on whether or not they communicate well with their friends. Certainly not how they communicate with total strangers in a stressful situation. Yeah, no joke. When it's timed, too. Like me playing an escape room, you know, with five minutes left on the clock versus infinite time. The, the, those are two different people. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we want people who are good under pressure, but that's not the same kind of pressure they're going to be under. Yeah. I just think it's unfair. We have the best new employee who's just incredible and was the one who's telling us that. And we were wondering, like, would she not get hired by the other company because she didn't do well in the escape room? Was that the reason? Because that's a stupid reason. She's awesome. But I'm <laughs> glad. I'm glad they didn't hire her. Good. Everybody stop hiring the good employees. Let them come to us. What do you look for in a good employee? For us, it's somebody who can communicate well with the guests, uh, who can speak in front of people without full-on panic attacks. That's always helpful. That is a good starting place for a game master. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're not that particular. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have we have some really good employees, but it's we just need somebody who can think on their feet, uh, fix issues that are not at all like puzzle solving, but also exactly like puzzle solving, if that makes sense. You know, Anne and Chris Lukeman from CU Adventures, they were telling me their favorite is to hire people who were dungeon masters who play D&D. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That is. It's really good. Uh, we also really, really need our employees to be open minded and um, inclusive. If somebody comes in and we say, for example, what are your pronouns? And they go off on some tangent about how that's some BS, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. They're not our people. Mm -hmm. Because our people want everyone to feel comfortable. And so if somebody walks in wearing a mask because they're afraid of germs because of the pandemic and they're still in that place where they're not comfortable and we're supposed to lead them in touching them, we have to have our, our game masters be willing to find a workaround to make them comfortable so they also have fun and they don't feel like the situation is more stressful in a bad way. Stressful in the way I was describing in our, our other talk about how I don't like to go into haunted houses where things touch my face or people spit on me or something like that. Like, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't think I mentioned spitting on me, but that happened once. There was a character that spit on us in 17th Door. Ew! And I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I don't like being spit on. Don't spit on me. Does anybody like, well, I, that's a dangerous question to don't ask. Don't ask that question. Somebody exactly. will answer. Exactly. I don't begrudge anyone for enjoying that, but that is not, that is, that, that is a violation of the social contract, even in the <laughs> setting of a haunt. Yeah. But, you know, some people want to be comfortable in a different way and we want them to be scared in a fun way, not scared in a bad way. And so if putting a blindfold on, for example, is too much for someone, they don't have to wear it. We need our game masters to be willing to accommodate people and be understanding and have empathy and say, yeah, you don't have to wear it. That's cool. You don't have to mess up your $100 lash set that you just got done on the way here because you told you to put a blindfold on. Just close your eyes. We have simple <laughs> solutions for this. 
<laughs> we have the technology. Yes. That's important to us. That's probably the most important thing is that people are willing to be empathetic with other people and they're not so stuck in their way and that they're not, you know, sexist or racist or, you know, homophobic. Like, we don't want that. To me, the thing is, on the subject of just leading with kindness around this stuff is like when pronouns started to become like a thing just in general, my immediate reaction was this just doesn't feel relevant to me. But the answer is always how about you figure out who is it relevant to and why? Because like the thing is, there's so many different things that we have all adopted into the way that we behave and treat one one another that don't entirely make sense, but they're part of our culture. Like saying hi to, to people or asking someone how they are, like how they're doing. That's not a universal thing. That's not a thing that every culture does or does it in the same way. We're all doing a lot of weird stuff that like may not matter to you, but just if it matters to someone and it's not costing you a penny, just accept it and move on. Yeah. I mean, we have some guests. We can't tell our guests how to behave, but we can decide who we hire. Exactly. I've heard conversation about this at Raycon too, which is don't make fun of the guests that are playing if you don't want your game masters to do the same thing. And that also sets, I think, like a bad culture where, where the people that are paying to come play your experience and you're making fun of them for maybe oh, no. not understanding that. And that's not cool, right? <laughs> that would be an instant fireable offense for us. If we heard someone making fun of our guests, they'd be gone. We might do a first, like, hey, we're going to have a talk to you about this and give them a second chance if it was like something kind of goofy. But if they were being legitimately mean and talking negatively about guests in any capacity, like we we don't stand for that. We don't say negative things about our guests. We don't make our guests feel stupid. <laughs> like we don't make our guests uncomfortable. Everybody's there to have fun. Our job is service. We want them to have fun. We will have lines that will draw, like for the guests, fun. They can't break our stuff. They can't be cruel to our game masters either. We're not going to ever try to make a guest feel bad. And we would never do anything. I'm so strict about this that if somebody is having a conversation in the office and someone's about to give a hint, I, if it's me, I'll ch you. I will. I Jeremiah, I'm one of the employees Shush. the other day. I was like, tch, 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 tch. that means quiet. I'm about to give a hint. And I don't want you talking in the background because if it gets picked up on the microphone and the guests hear something you say and they think you're talking about them, it's going to ruin their experience. I know 100% you're not talking about them. You're talking about scheduling. But they don't know that. Yep. I do not want anybody to ever feel like they're being made fun of. And if I hear, especially teenagers, it kills me saying they're stupid during the game. Mm -hmm. Not somebody else is stupid. Mm -hmm. If you want to talk to your friends like that and that's your friend group, whatever. But if I, I had a girl the other day, she kept saying, I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. Oh, my God, I'm so stupid. She must have said it 30 times in the hour that they played the game. Mm -hmm. At the end of the game, I said, by the way, you're not stupid. She's like, I'm so sorry. It's like the way that I just, I, I do my self-talk and I, I, my, my therapist is working on it too. And I said, well, your therapist is right. You are very intelligent 
And her friends were like, she is, right? And I'm like, you're very into I just watched you play in escape room. You've never done one of these before, and you were incredible. Oh, I bet that meant so much to her. Like, honestly, there are times when I feel extremely validated when at the end of the game, the game master comes in and they're like, I heard you suggesting that we look at that, but nobody listened. But she's like, I, I heard you notice it. Game masters will say little things like that. And it's extremely validating. So thank you to all the game masters that that take note and take the effort to, to say that because it does it does mean a lot. Sometimes I'll go a little too far. I'm a little louder about it. And I'll be like, hey, they were saying that the entire time in the debrief to everybody. But y'all weren't listening. <laughs> you got to learn to listen to each other a little bit better. You get out faster. Just saying. Rita Orlov had told me a story about game mastering way back in the day where they had this big family in the room. And the oldest brother was kind of like alpha dogging everybody the entire time and was wrong all of the siblings they were coming up with all the right answers and he was just like shutting them down before they ever tried anything and they lost this game miserably and at the end the the family comes out and they were asking rita who was game mastering and she's like well you probably should have listened to each other and the brother was like see you should have listened to me (laughs) (laughs) you probably should have ignored that guy no no no. the guy who was wrong the entire time just started like screaming at them oh you should have been listening to me (laughs) oh man (laughs) it's hard i mean it's so hard to watch a game where stuff like that happens it's it's the reason that like don't like to game master I want everybody to be having fun at all times, moving forward, joyfully embracing the game. And that's never going to be like 100% of the time. There's always going to be people who have stuff going on in their life outside of there where they came in a really bad mood. And we found out that was why Uh, we're going through stuff with like whatever it is when you sell a house. Uh, People who've come in and they don't like their sibling's spouse and all they do is fight. And nothing we can do about it, but it's so hard for me Mm -hmm. to watch. But the worst are parents, when parents won't listen to their kids. It's it's really hard. I'll call them out during the game. Mm-hmm. If you're in there with your kids and your kids are saying the right answer and you refuse to listen to your kid and you keep pushing them aside and I'm your game master, I will tell you. When you <laughs> need a hint, I will say, you don't need a hint. All you need to do is listen to Joe. <laughs> he knows the answer. Because it drives me nuts. Oh, it's so, it's... It's super agitating. (laughs) I've game mastered for friends before and under optimal circumstances, I find it really hard to watch. I find it really hard to watch people pick up the right thing, make the right observations, put it down and then go and start pursuing the wrong thing. The first time we ever watched was Amanda and Drew playing Nemesis at Mission Escape way back in the day. And they knew we were watching and there was a point where like they, and they're very good players. Back then they were also still very good players, but yeah, they disregarded the right solution and moved on to a thousand different things. And Lisa and I, we were just sitting there in the control room, just being like, please take a hint. Please take a hint. You need to take a hint. Please take a goddamn hint. Right? Uh, Yeah. It's so hard. I mean, when I play board games like code names or something and the people are discussing, you know, and I was the clue giver, I have to literally either leave the room or cover my face with my hands because for me, it's it's so hard to, to watch these things. I, I feel like Game Master must be very difficult. 
I find it very challenging. Jeremiah is really good at it. Employees seem to really enjoy it. They love watching everybody play. I just, I love watching people play. I just can't, I can't watch people struggle. It's too hard for me. So I just don't game master that often. For me, harder than sitting in the game master booth is watching a beta test. It's hard. (laughs) It is so hard. When we were beta testing Shop of Theseus, the game that Teresa Wagner and I had collaborated with Mark Larson on, when we were running some beta tests of that, there were things that were just like, it was so clear in my head. And then watching it die, it just hurts. It hurts so much. And then it makes me sit there and I, I start to think about, but then you have these owners who they have a puzzle that they're having to give the same hint nine out of 10 times. And like, how are they not dead inside from that? Or maybe they are, and that's why they haven't fixed it. I don't know why they haven't fixed it. Yeah. We definitely were like, fix it. If, if everybody's struggling, it's the puzzle. <laughs> there were times, and this is not my first time beta testing a game or anything like that, but there were things that I was just like, oh, why are you not getting this? Why, why is no one getting this? What, what is wrong with them? And I'm like, no, it's, it's, it's wrong with the game. We know this, but, but what is wrong with them? <laughs> you gotta, yeah, you gotta kill some darlings sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really, really hard for us or for me specifically when we have people who are really experienced play our game and they get really caught on something simple. Something that nobody who's new will get caught on like a counting puzzle, something simple. They can't figure it out. And then at the end of the game, they make the assumption that everybody must get stuck on that. (laughs) And they make it our fault. And we have to sit there and politely find a way to say, no, if everybody got stuck on it, we would change it. We've definitely been guilty. There's been solutions where it was literally like you just, it's, it's too easy, right? And you're like, that can't be the answer. It's too easy. You're just putting them down left to right, you know, in the order you found them or whatever. And that's it. And you just, I get it. I'm guilty. As reviewers, one of the things that was the hardest for us to try and figure out how to tune. And I think that we're tuned appropriately on one end, but maybe not always on the other. And that is trying to suss out how difficult the puzzles really are for like normal people on any given on any given game. Mm-hmm. You know, like as a reviewer, it's one of the hardest things to get over in the early days. We really compensated by just assuming that any screw ups were our fault. That wasn't an accurate place. But nowadays, the harder question is. Did we get that because we've just seen this stuff so much and we're really good at this stuff? Or was that actually easy or is it actually hard? And that is that is a harder question to ask. The one question I always ask game masters when I finish playing a game is, which puzzle do people get stuck on the most? It's always interesting to me. That's the Lisa question. Yeah, and it's just academically interesting. And then again, it lets me know, If it's the puzzle we got stuck on, then we know, (laughs) was it us or not? Before we close out this bonus episode, I wanted to ask you guys about your favorite haunt, your favorite scary experiences. So anything that you look forward to every Halloween season, do you have like a favorite scary escape room or a favorite, you know, seasonal event? 
So I don't because I'll be honest with you, aside from 13th Hour, there's not a lot in the New York, New Jersey area that I think is worth it. Or even like spooky pop-ups. I'll go. Like one of my We're so spoiled in Los Angeles. I need to make make this very, very <laughs> clear to you right now. Like you are so spoiled in Los Angeles. We have home haunts that are better than most of the country's professional haunts. Yeah. The easy answer to your question, because there's no annual thing for me. I've done 13th Gate, The Haunt, and then basically haunts were ruined for me. (laughs) I will go and I I think I'm going to do Delusion because we're going to be out in Los Angeles this October. So, like, I think we're actually going to do some stuff. PG, you and I are going to have to talk about this. I'm going to drop a whole roster for you guys to do. I don't know that we have enough time for your whole roster, but I know I want to do delusion. That is the thing I know that I need in my life. If you're going to be out here, you might as well just try 17th door, David. I don't want to get spit on. (laughs) That's the least of the bad things that they do, to be honest. 17th door is like a, an extreme haunt, oh, right? Oh, yeah, no, no, they no, They shave no. smiley faces into your hair. They shock you. They put plastic bags over your face and don't let you breathe. Like a fraternity hazing. I think you'll like it. Yeah, no. <laughs> Hard pass on that. I don't even want to do the escape room where they put the shock collar around your neck. I'm okay not experiencing that. I am super interested in that game. I was afraid to do it because my stomach was in so much pain and I was really worried about the the shock causing me to hurt myself further with it. So I, I never I, I never tried it, but I am legitimately interested in that game. I still haven't played it because I have arthritis in my neck. And so my doctor was like, you probably shouldn't do that. Dog shot colors aren't a good idea for you. This is arena at Mind Trap. I was just like, this is not a thing that I am going to do. And even even if I had gone and said, you know, I think I'm going to try it. Lisa would have just been like, no, you're not. This is, you're going to hurt you. Like this, this is going to cause you problems. (laughs) My doctor's always like, you want to do what? (laughs) Oh, I have heard it likened to like, um, like a static electricity shock. Yeah. I haven't done it yet. I want to do it, but I'm like, I'm, I'm worried about injury. So I haven't done it. Uh, Christine, maybe we can go and do like an invalid playthrough. (laughs) We'll bring Peachy with us too. That way you don't have to worry. Best haunts, though, in L.A., there's so many. Do you have a best, a favorite, PG? Not so much haunts, but I would say one of my favorite events that I do look forward to is it's like a cocktail pop-up called House of Spirits. (gasps) I love that. It's so good. I, I really like House of Spirits. It's an immersive cocktail party. There are people in costumes and you get cocktails. And I think that is running in New York. We were thinking about going last year, but then we we did not. Yeah, I don't know if it's running again this year. There's a new event called like a haunted soiree. So I don't know if it's a rebranding. You know, it says from the people who created House of Spirits. I did do last year's haunted soiree. I think that was part of the name of it last year, too. Is like the the extra part of the name, how they have like a title and then like a subtitle to events sometimes. Uh-huh. So I do think it's similar or not, if not the same uh, cocktail one. 
it, it looks like it. I'm looking at the website right now. Yeah, the all the promo photos were the same characters, and everything looked very similar. Um, and they did non-alcoholic versions of their drinks, which was awesome. I'm wondering if they changed the name for SEO purposes, because House of Spirits is probably a little bit more generic in the grand scheme of things. And it feels a little bit more like you're just going to drink, and it was more than that. Mm-hmm. That's a super fun event. I love that. I love Delusion. We had John Braver on a few seasons ago, and I have wanted to see his madness play out in real life since then. So that is definitely the top of my list. I mean, there's so many good. It's so hard to say out here. Like, I look forward to so many things. I look forward to seeing specific characters at events. I look forward to going to L.A. Haunted Hayride just because of Monty Revolta. That's a great name. Even if the Hayride's terrible, Monty's going to be there and he's super fun to watch. Um, the clown at, or the j- jester, I think. I, I don't know what he considers himself, but he's a scary clown. That's what he is. <laughs> but I see him every year now at um, Six Flags and I love him and he's so much fun to watch. Um, and I will go to an event for one character sometimes just because I'm so excited to see them back in action and to just sit there for like an hour and watch them interact with guests. Cause they're so good. They're so talented. Do you have like three or five events that you could just throw out that you recommend in like the LA area or anywhere in the country? Cause I know you've played in a lot of places, right? Ooh, for uh, escape rooms or either. Okay. Escape rooms or a haunt or in LA, immersive theater haunt delusion. I would say Knots is a really good theme park event. They really stepped up their game at Scary Farm. Um, there is a home haunt in Burbank that I cannot think of the name of at the moment, but you can't miss it. And it is uh, free. Uh, you can donate and it gives to charity and it's incredible. Are you walking through like their backyard or? No, you go through their house. They built wow. onto their house and you walk through worm. It's big worm. It's called big worm. Um, they do a different theme every year. There's some amazing yard displays as well. Uh, if you're going to be in LA and you want spooky escape rooms, Project Minotaur is a really cool immersive adventure. Just please don't get hurt and ask for steel if you can. He's an amazing Minotaur. And then Weeping Witch. Be careful in Project Minotaur. It's kind of designed yeah, to You're hurt running you. through a labyrinth <laughs> in the dark and you have to duck under things like you, I got hurt. Everybody I've I've talked to gets hurt. A concrete, narrow yeah. corridor yeah. <laughs> without padding. If you want to do something and you don't want to do 17th door for your haunt experience and you want something more intense and extreme and you're willing to be very physical, it's a good physical experience. Um, Murder Co. is another one. And Zoe, the new Zoe. Those are all good. Uh, that Weeping Witch is really good for people who don't want to be touched or hurt but still want to be scared. Oh, I love Weeping Witch. Yeah. 13th Hour. 13th Gate, those are both amazing haunts. Netherworld, uh, in Atlanta. He also has really incredible animatronics in his escape rooms. Um, I mean, there's just, there's so many. Ohio, there's a cave in Ohio. It's not a cave. It's called a cave. It's, uh, it's actually a mine underground. And they shot at us. That was awesome. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't really shoot at us. But they drove by in a truck with like a machine gun in the this, back. This was Christine's nom. 
<laughs> dropped to the ground crying because I thought I was going to die in Ohio. That's awesome. So we're going to be releasing this in October in the middle of hot season. So if you guys are looking for any other recommendations, go to Hot Girl, thehotgirl.com. Literally, if you were in a state that I don't cover stuff or I'm not sharing stuff out, feel free to DM me on Instagram. I probably have a list for at least your state somewhere in your state of things to do, both escape rooms and real haunted attractions. There's like Amazing Haunted Prison in Indiana. I also post a lot of that stuff, uh, actual haunted attractions on the USA Today's 10 Best List. Most of those nominations were really mine. The escape rooms, don't blame me. (laughs) Noted. (laughs) The good ones, blame me. The ones you disagree with, weren't me. Um, (laughs) Same with haunted attractions. Yeah, I saw that list and I have made damn sure to vote every day and to tell other enthusiasts I know to vote. So we make sure the good ones rise to the top. I think by the time that this comes out, the good ones will have risen to the top. Uh, Oh, probably my favorite of all the things is Winchester. Really? I always drive by it and I've never gone. I love it. I'll go next time I'm in the area. So before we close out this episode... Are there any other projects that you want to share or promote? In, I'm really active on my blog and my YouTube channel in October for The Haunt Girl. So come support me there. That'd be awesome. Uh, the more you watch and comment and interact, the more people get to find out about these cool haunts that I sometimes cover that no one else is covering. Um, I do a lot of coverage on things like Zombie Joe's Underground Theater and stuff where some of the bigger bloggers don't cover them. That's a wonderful name. Won't have our second game ready yet. But I think there's a spooky game coming over at Brain Games that should be open around this time. So heard it here first if you haven't heard about it yet. 20 ghosts boxes. I don't know what he's calling it. That's a first for me. First I'm hearing of it. Looking forward to that. But it should be hopefully open in October. Awesome. But it's not my project. I might have our second game open hopefully next year. So keep an eye on our social media at ExitGameOC. Have it open before recon. Oh, my God. I hope so. (laughs) I wish we could just have it open now. Yeah, I feel you. Is it going to be another scary game? No. It's a very overly ambitious, like, adventure in space, but, like, gritty sci-fi. They have done so much research on how to just build rock walls that I think are good enough. (laughs) And so I've spent weeks just figuring out what material to make walls out of to make rocks. Mm -hmm. But... It's going to be like a cave you go into and there's replayable puzzles and you go into the second room as a spaceship and then you got to fly and you should have options and it's replayable and it's great. I'm excited, but it's really ambitious. So if it ever gets open, (laughs) (laughs) well, we definitely thought we would be done sooner. And then we decided to do all this crazy high tech replayable stuff. And so our game got really ambitious and it's going to take forever to open. I wish you luck with it. I cannot wait to play it. And thank you so much for joining us once again. This has been so much fun. And thank you to all of our patrons. We truly appreciate all of your support. Bye, everybody. Bye.